Welcome to this clinical law briefing. My name is Robert Wheeler. I work in Southampton as a children's surgeon and clinical lawyer and hope this podcast concerning a legal aspect of clinical life will interest you. This recording illustrates how guidelines only guide us. Ashley Sanderson was 17 and had cerebral palsy, giving her motor and visual deficits and learning difficulties. Her injuries were caused by brain ischemia during delivery. An obstetrician was called to see her mother during labour because of recurrent decelerations in the foetal heart rate. Reviewing the trace, she was concerned, but at that stage did not find any indication for urgent delivery. Examining the mother, the obstetrician found that whilst the baby had descended the birth canal head first, she was nevertheless facing the wrong way, the back of her head lying posteriorly. The obstetrician tried to turn her into the correct position, but was unable to rotate the head or move it up or down. The obstetrician contemplated an instrumental delivery, but was reluctant to embark upon this in the small room her mother lay, intended only for women in the first stage of labour. This reluctance was based on the unsuitability of the far too small room for emergency caesarean section, should the instrumental delivery fail and the fetal condition immediately deteriorate. The obstetric unit that night was frantically busy, all theatres and delivery suites fully occupied. The unit had closed for safety reasons, but women were still arriving by ambulance or self-referring. The obstetrician decided to perform a fetal blood sample In the two minutes spent obtaining the equipment, the foetal heart rate dropped abruptly. Delivery had now become urgent and the notion of blood sampling was abandoned. With no time for a sterile field or catheter insertion, the baby was successfully rotated and delivered using instruments, 17 minutes after the beginning of the bradycardia. She was born, perhaps unsurprisingly, in poor condition. Ashley's mother died in tragic circumstances shortly after the birth. Ashley was subsequently brought up by her maternal aunt, who made a claim against the hospital on her behalf. The claim was in part based on the assertion that if Ashley had been delivered earlier, the period of hypoxia would have either been reduced or avoided completely, and that if the decision to take a foetal blood sample had not been taken, the delivery would not have been delayed for vital minutes. The expert witness for the claimant relied on a nice guideline indicating that there was clear evidence of acute foetal compromise, foetal blood sampling should not be undertaken, and the baby should be delivered urgently. The judge made several points about the guidelines, not least that they appeared to advocate two contradictory management options in relation to foetal blood sampling. In words that could be applicable to guidelines generally, the judge noted that guidelines are as useful as far as they go, but they are limited. Guidelines do not provide a substitute for clinical judgment, but must be interpreted by the clinician and then applied in the light of that judgment. Those were her words. The court found this witness offered very little in the way of a real-world analysis of how the reasonably competent clinician should respond to these clinical circumstances. The guidelines in this case were a practical tool to be used in conjunction with clinical judgment. This judgment confirms what we already knew, but this confirmation is welcome. 
A breach of a guideline or local policy does not automatically indicate substandard care. Some guidelines are flawed, some fail to reflect the real world. Equally, this does not release any of us from the responsibility to consider relevant guidelines as a tool to help us in clinical decisions. If, on occasion, the clinical circumstances lead us, after cautious consideration, to depart from the guidelines, we should simply record our reasons for doing so. I hope this was useful, but if you would prefer to read rather than to listen to me, by all means look at the Clinical Law website on the UHS webpage, or type Clinical Law into a search engine.